This is Andre Shudan of The Crew Process and the Eaglesoft Field Guide on Facebook. You are listening to Hashtag POD, Podcast of Dentistry with Dr. Panks. Dentistry.com slash squadcast. I believe everyone has a story to tell. And if you want to start a podcast to tell your story, the easiest way to start one is Squadcast. No special hardwares, no special softwares needed for you or your guests. You simply start podcasting using any laptop or desktop or Android phone and even a Chromebook in a browser like Chrome, Firefox. Opera, Brave. So, you may ask, how did you do it? Well, it's simple. As a host, you simply schedule an interview on your dashboard. Share that particular link to the guest and hit record to get studio quality audio. Done. Simple. No sign-ups needed by your guests. No special mics needed by anyone. And still get studio quality audio. There can be up to four people at one time, including the host. You can even see the video of your guests. Connect any earphone or headphones with mic and you're golden. When you're done, simply stop recording and everything with separate tracks is automatically uploaded on your dashboard, ready to download in no time. Most of the basic audio editing is also automatically done when you download. Well, guess what? This particular podcast was recorded on Squadcast. Do I not make any sense? Well, they do have demo videos on their website to show you exactly how it is done. I did use the support and they have best-in-the-class support. They are so confident in their services that they have even compared their services with other competitors. Another thing that gives me peace of mind is redundancy. That means that even if there is some error, you can still get the backup of all the recordings sent to you in your email through your dashboard. So, if you really like the idea of starting your own podcast, podcastofdentistry.com slash squadcast. The subscription starts only at $10 per month. You can cancel anytime through your account without making any calls or any change of emails. Super easy. Once again, to support this show, simply go to podcastofdentistry.com slash squadcast. Give it a try. Thank you for finding time and listening to Hashtag POD, Podcast of Dentistry. You could have spent hours watching or listening to HBO or Netflix. And it is indeed an honor that you decided to spend time with our podcast. Today, we have very wide-ranging conversations with a very humble and a reflecting speaker, Dr. Jason Luchterfeld. Dr. Jason is a COO and a Senior Vice President of Inspiro at InspiroTeam.com. Inspiro is a distinctive community of impact creators and conscious leaders which aim to breathe hope in dentistry. He also has a practice in Illinois which has a very unique team and a setup. 
I would say that setup seems like a dream setup in terms of balancing life and dentistry. Many of you might even be attracted to set up your office that way. Of course, we discuss all that in the podcast. This podcast will touch you at so many levels that you will be surprised. We talk about business, growth, leadership, health, and above all, reflecting some core values and vision. This podcast will force you to think and reflect what you are, who you are, what do you want out of life, and how to be fulfilled not only financially but also emotionally. We talked about health and how to handle stresses in dentistry and life, both physical and mental. We also talked about some vain stuff like shoes and whiskey on one hand and on the other hand we talked about how to achieve goals in life. There are so many books and nuggets sprinkled in the podcast that you will be compelled to make notes of them. I certainly have made notes with a lot of homework to do. The podcast does start a tad slow since we are setting up the foundation, but please keep patience and you will not be disappointed. So without further ado, Dr. Jason Lachterfeld. Thank you. So, thank you. Thank you for coming in. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for the invite. So, uh, uh you're practicing in Robinson, Illinois, right? That's right. So, um tell me uh, tell me about uh, you know, your 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 dentistry. What kind of dentistry you do and uh Sure. So, Robinson is a small town in southeast Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh nearest big city is probably two hours away. That would be Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay. So it's a small town that allows me to do a real nice mix of comprehensive dentistry. So right. we see kids. We try to do work on kids of all kinds. We see adults for normal bread and butter dentistry. We also, I place implants and restore implants, a lot of dentures, partials. Really, it's a great mix. Orthodontics. The guy I bought the practice from 10 years ago has been doing orthodontics in town of all kinds for, oh, since like 1980. So he's got quite a pool of patients that, or I guess people in the community that know that. Mm -hmm. And so we do see quite a bit of orthodontia in the practice from early intervention stuff with expanders and different things. That, That allows me to do all that stuff as well. So I have people in braces, people in expanders, uh, some uh, full arch stuff. Uh, That's rare, but you get the odd uh, big case. That's a (laughs) lot of fun. So yeah, a broad mix, comprehensive family dentistry. So uh, do you do your own ortho or the doctor or the dentist you bought the practice from does it? No, I do it. He still does Invisalign in the practice. Okay. I don't do that, and I have no intention in getting certified for that. I'm not a big <laughs> fan of it. So okay. I let him do that and refer all the Invisalign to him, and then I handle the straight wire and um, appliances and things like that. Oh, so I saw uh, that you do myofunctional therapy for the kids too. Uh, do you? How often do you do that uh, in your practice? Yeah, that's been something we've experimented off and on with since probably 2011. Okay. And it has really been hit and miss. You know, if you can get a kid that is compliant, mm. then it's a really nice early intervention. 
um, non-invasive treatment. But okay. that's just it. Compliance is the gigantic elephant in the room. And mm. so I probably have two, only two kids right now with those appliances, and mm. both are are not going well because they're not wearing them. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things that I think is has a lot of potential, but is much more of a nightmare to implement than what the salespeople let on. Yeah, yeah, I got it. So I think um, I say the same thing about Invisalign to my, my patients. It's like, don't spend any money, man. You know, lady, don't spend any money on Invisalign if you don't think you can wear it like 20, 22 hours a day. You know, yeah. <clears throat> it's better you keep it that way or, you know, <clears throat> worst case scenario, I just fix your, uh, I'll be an interior dentist. You see what I'm saying? Six through 11. Yeah. Uh, I'll do That's the right. veneers for you and be done with it. <laughs> yeah. You'll be happy. I'll be happy, you know. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, uh, that's the reason I was asking you what kind of dentistry you do because I was very interested to know about myofunctional therapy. But uh, as you said, the elephant in the room is, uh, uh, you know, uh, compliance. It's, it's hard. Yes. Now, do you do uh, sleep apnea too? Do you? Uh, sort of. Yeah. Sort of. So I'm, I'm pretty strict on when I will do something for somebody with this. Okay. So... Uh, this this goes back to my training from like Barry Glassman and Steve Bender, some guys that are pretty aggressive with their prevention of inserting any appliance on anybody. Okay. They 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 like they well they advocate at least they did when I took training from them. They advocate for appropriate testing and then appropriate appliance or referral. So what I do is I screen people with a pulse ox that they mm-hmm. wear overnight, at mm-hmm. least two nights. We get a report from that. It's the it's a nonin. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Nonin or nonin? N-O-N-I-N pulse ox. Okay. okay. Yeah. So nice little finger thing, uh, snaps on the wrist and relatively comfortable, easy to wear, easy to, it's, it's dummy proof, so it's is really important. Yeah. And so... They wear that if they look good, meaning mm-hmm. oxygen's good, heart rate's good, and because typically they're coming to me because of snoring, yeah. not because of sleep apnea. Right. So I then will make a sleep apnea appliance, uh, something relatively inexpensive. I use uh, John's Dental Lab in Terre Haute, Indiana, and they've got a few different styles, and so I, I do that. If they have sleep apnea, if they come back and they their report does not look good, then I will not make them appliance until they go have a sleep study. Oh, okay. Okay. And so if they go have the sleep study, then they're oftentimes getting a CPAP first or an APAP. And that I've only had two people that have come back and said they also want an appliance. Oh, okay. So, <clears throat> so I, I, I do a lot less sleep apnea than I thought I would uh-huh. considering – the area, although with being that strict about it, mm-hmm. I may be kind of forcing myself to do a whole lot less than I could if I just really promoted it and did it on anybody that had a certain uh, stop bang score yeah, or yeah, that yeah. fourth score, for example. So, uh-huh. yeah, I really limit limit it. Okay, got it, got it. <clears throat> uh, so basically, you would do that pulse ox test and. Uh, if those pulse ox test looks within uh, 
within normal limits, you're okay to give them an appliance. That's, that's right. That's the bottom line. Uh, yes. Otherwise, otherwise you go and do the CPAP test and you know sleep apnea uh, test and uh, take it from there. Got it. That's right. <clears throat> so, uh, and I heard, uh, as you said, you do some implants too. Do you do you guided implants? Where you know what kind of? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Th- this is uh, an interesting conversation, and so I, I'm still I'm a dinosaur when it comes to implants. Okay. Um, meaning that I don't do them guided and I don't do CT scans, mm-hmm. uh, don't do cone beams. And so I, I don't really speak out a lot anymore about my implant placements. I used to like back in the day in like 2000, oh gosh, 2001 to 2005 or six or seven, I was yeah. posting all kinds of cases on Dentaltown of, yeah of implant stuff that I was doing some just straightforward, some crazy stuff that I would try. Yeah. And so as things went more and more to the guided world and stuff, I just with where I'm at, uh, at the time, it wasn't making sense for me to get into that. Now in retrospect, I was dumb, uh, in that decision, but that's, that's what it is. So now I rely on just my surgical experience and knowledge and let people know that um, it's possible that we'll get in there and need to do something. And I'm prepared to do that. I'm prepared to adjust yeah. on the fly as needed. Yeah. And and that's one of the things, too, I guess what I what I could advocate for is even if you grow up with a cone beam, you, you can't rely on that 100 percent. You have to still be able to go in and have the skills when you realize that for some reason you ran into something you didn't know you were going to run into or your your uh, guide doesn't fit exactly like you thought it was going to or whatever. Right. You, you can't just, well, I guess you can. What you need to do is just stop if you're not ready for it. Yeah. Close things up and then come back later. But it helps a lot to have the surgical skill and experience to adjust on the fly and still get a really nice result. Oh, yeah. I completely agree with that. Uh, yeah. uh, I think it just gives you an extra layer of uh, uh, protection. So, you know, yeah. but otherwise you still have to have that basic knowledge uh, to adjust to to get where you want to be. Where That's you right. Wanna be. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, so so uh, I, lo- I love the stuff that is happening now, though, with yeah. like Danny Doming and Corey Glenn and August Yelavera and some of these guys that are just really pushing the envelope and doing amazing things. And I'm just, I salivate at what they're doing. <laughs> it's just so, it's so cool and exciting. And, and yet, um, I'm at a point where I, I don't know that I want to go down the road that's necessary to get to that level. And so I do kind of now cherry pick stuff more than I used to, Got it. and I don't. Um, I'm not. I don't. I'm not living out there on the edge like I was <laughs> ten years ago. Well, uh, I think uh, one thing I loved about uh, your website, your office website, was uh, your hours. Great hours, man. At least, yeah. uh, <laughs> at least you were like uh, what, twelve uh, thirty in the morning? No. Until twelve thirty, only starting at seven thirty in the morning. Until twelve thirty, and then yes. you know, starting late and then finishing. How do you how do you get that idea? Like, yeah. So there's a story behind that. Sure. Um, 
and it, it's good. This is a long form podcast. Yeah, yeah. Take your time, man. Take your time. <laughs> so, um, so the practice historically was open from eight thirty to five every day, five days a week. Yeah, and it was that way for like forty years or mm. thirty six years or something. So yeah, I came in and did the same thing. I just uh, the the previous owner and I, we both worked full time when I first came on. We did that for a couple of years and then he started cutting back. And as he did, we still were able to cover the office five days a week, even though neither one of us really worked five days per week mm. very often. Occasionally I would. If I went on vacation, for example, for a week, then I would work five days the week before and five days the week after to kind of to make up for those days off. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, but, uh, so, we in uh, 2015, 2016, somewhere in there, things were going downhill. Like okay. business was dropping and uh, insurance was really the word of the day and we were not in network. And so we were really taking a hit from that and it just kept going and going. And I said, wow, I have to do something different. Yeah. I have to, I, I don't, I had a decision to make. Do I... Do I really go headfirst into marketing, promoting how we're different, what we do, what we offer that's unique, or do I jump into the insurance world? And so it really turned into two things. One, kind of a recommitment to the things that I wanted us to stand for. Mm -hmm. And number two, having to cut overhead. Right. So looking at, okay, how do I cut expenses? Because right now I'm operating at like, my overhead was at like 80% wow. in 2015, I think it was. Mm. So that was not sustainable. So the good news was that I paid my practice off in 2014, I think it was, maybe 2015. Okay. And so I, I didn't have debt Right. On the practice. Okay. So that created so much freedom for me to make choices that were ideal for me and the practice. So I had a real heart to heart with my staff and said, hey, look, here's the reality of the situation and we need to do something different. And okay. so one of the things is that right now my staff number was at like 37 or 38 percent of overhead. Okay. So, I mean, that that's that's yeah. really pretty high, especially for this area. Mm. So I didn't want to have to let anybody go. So I said, I came up with this idea about the hours and said, I kind of threw it out to them. We have two choices. We need to cut back the hours because we need to be busier when we're here. We have right. way too many gaps. Right. And so we can do that three days of work. So I have a good friend in Kansas City that I used to do a podcast with, Yeah. Uh, Grant Ritchie. He's yeah. a dentist in Kansas City, uh, roughly Kansas City. And he's only works three days a week, but 10 hour days. Yeah. And so I was like, well, 10 hour days is long. Um, that would be brutal. But he loved it, just spoke really highly of it. And then he had that every other week. He had like this monster weekend. Right, so right, 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 right. It's like, man, that sounds awesome. So I went to the staff, said, hey, what do you think about this idea? And they were like, we have kids. Like 10 hour days would be brutal for us to try to drop kids off, pick kids up, all this kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, well, if we can't do that, then we need to do something that we can appeal to more people. And so people like, some people like early mornings, some people like lunch hours, and some people like evenings. 
And with our current hours of eight thirty to five, we and when we had lunch from twelve to one. <laughs> we we were like nobody wanted to come see us because we were like middle of the day for everybody. So that's how we then I said, okay, well let's break it up. Let's do early one day. So that's where the seven thirty to twelve thirty came in, and it tends to be seven thirty to one. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. Uh, and then the twelve thirty to six came in. So that we are covering some a little bit earlier in the morning for people, and we have a little bit of time at lunch hours, yeah, and we have an extra hour in the evenings. And I'll tell you what, even though people were really confused at first, yeah, we had a lot of people that were like trying to call, and they would show up, and the doors locked, and and they were complaining. And we were like, no, wait, here's the deal. We now have these better hours for you. Yeah. So now, now I love it. And, and the staff loves it. I couldn't believe it. Now, like now I try to get them to work more and they're like, well, we don't want it. We like this. Like they get <laughs> afternoons with their kids. They get all this extra time, even though they're, you know, to be honest, they are making less money, Yes. but they are, we're now, we've now grown more than 20% the last two years. And so they've gotten monster bonuses mm. for two years. Mm. And so now it's just, we're done differently and yeah. i'll tell you i would not go back to those old hours I, these i like it i, I like love it. it i like it yeah that's a that's great i mean i really loved it i'm glad i stumbled upon your website you you remind me i i interviewed dr ken or shah recently um almost like two weeks ago three weeks ago yeah uh, friday saturday sunday they're off and what about you do you work on friday saturday sunday or only friday no, so the intention behind my hours is that I would do Monday through Thursday one week and then Tuesday through Friday the next week. And then I have a four-day weekend every other week. That's So nice. that gets, again, that gets screwed up whenever I have travel and I now have a ton of travel. So now that it rarely happens that way because I add in days in order to make up for the travel days. Right, so right, right. It's really hmm. pretty random. I don't have any kind of set. Yeah. So you, you said you reduced down their hours, but they were happy, you know, because now they can spend more time. I'm talking about your staff. They spend your, they yes. spend time with your, uh, um, uh, with the kids and family and whatnot. And, and that's beautiful. I think, uh, I was talking to Grace from marketing from Grace and she said, I said, how yes. do you retain an employee? This is on the same track. They won't go anywhere. Now your staff is not going to go anywhere because nope, they're used to, they're going to spoil, they're spoiled by your uh, hours, if nothing else, yeah. right? So, uh, well, you, well, yeah. Now, uh, and you grew 20% year to year for two last year. That's a, that's huge because uh, we grew, we grew uh, close to 15% this year. Um, and that too, with a lot of plus minuses, that's another topic, but 20% is a good number. Uh, any, any, uh, businessman who's in dentistry would understand and respect 20% a good number. Yeah. How did you, uh, you know, define bonus for your staff at that stage? Uh, when they're, yeah. when their total hours, uh, were actually reduced monthly, basically. Yeah. So I'm going to back up for just a second and sure. tell you that I think one of the reasons that they were so open to this change uh -huh. was, was the transparency that I brought to the conversation. Mm. So I went to them and said, 
and showed them that the numbers said, here are the numbers from 2013, 2014, 2015. And so they could see the trends for themselves. And I showed them the overhead and I, and I was very transparent about all of that stuff and said, right. look, I really want to do the right thing here. And they all understood. They all appreciated. And actually I even opened it up, said, Hey, how many <laughs> of you want to just go in network? Oh uh, yeah. Go in network. We could, we would be flooded with patients but we would be in network, and so you're going to have some issues there with fees being reduced and, and all that. So, and not all of them said no. So, you know, we it was a a group decision, a group sacrifice, so to speak. Yeah. They appreciated that I had been sacrificing for a couple of years as things were dropping mm-hmm. and still paying the bills and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so yeah. now they. I think that so they respected and appreciated what was done and why it was done. Right. And so I think that's an important piece of that because it's not like I just went in and said, hey, we're cutting hours. Right, 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 right. No. Deal with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it it was done in a respectful way. So that's that piece of it. Mm -hmm. Now, the next thing is uh, the bonus that you asked. So what we did was we said, okay, we want to set a goal of production, roughly collections, actually, per month that will be acceptable yeah. for, I think it was 20, 2016. And so if we hit that, mm-hmm. then whatever we go above that, yeah, I'll divide 20% of it okay. into bonuses. Oh, wow. Okay. So for example, if the, if the goal was 60,000 a month, and we averaged sixty six thousand a month. Mm-hmm. Then that was uh, what six thousand uh, seventy yeah, seventy two thousand dollars in a year. Right. That was right. above. Yes. Yes. So so twenty percent of that is fourteen thousand four grand. Yeah. Fourteen thousand. Yeah. yeah. And so I divided that amount between them. Oh. So. They got a big, that was 2018. They got a big bonus. They're going to get a bigger bonus this year. They don't know that yet. So don't let them listen. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so and then it went up every year. So I think we, uh, we set a 5% increase per year. So we started out at, um, it's only like 65,000 a month for the yeah. office. Mm-hmm. And then that gets bumped 5% a year. So this year, I think, the goal was like 72 or 74, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Um, it's, okay. So uh, wait yeah. a minute. <clears throat> so how did you set up the the, the baseline from uh, 60 to 65, 65 to 72 or 74? Yeah. Uh, well, that goes back to that very first year when things were uh, miserable for yeah. me. Yeah. stressful, you know, paying the bills and seeing overhead skyrocket and knowing I had to do something. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, here are my payments. So I had a BAM, basically, bare-ass minimum that I yeah. had to hit. Yeah. And I had an amount that I would have liked to make, I would like to make as my take-home. Yeah. And so that is how I came up with the that very first number. Yeah. And I knew what I wanted my overhead percentages to be roughly that and that's from national averages plus discussions with my accountant on what my practice is doing so i kind of have a uh a pros heavy practice so my lab bill is higher than normal 
yes. example. Yes, so, yes, yes. Anyway, uh, that, that's how we kind of formulated that first number. And then growing from there is based on how much do we want to um, get busier, raise prices, increase um, hourly pay, that kind of stuff. And that has to do with um, how where we're at currently. So, for example, the first year we did it, we changed hours. We felt busier, but we still weren't fully utilizing the schedule. Right, right, right. So there was room to grow just within that schedule. Now we're at a point where we've kind of we're close to maxing out that schedule. So there are a lot of Tuesdays, for example, that I'll, I will do a big case in the afternoon. Okay. Got it. Even I don't normally work a Tuesday afternoon, but yeah, yeah, yeah. if somebody wants to have their upper arch reconstructed, I'll come in and pull some teeth and place five implants and, you know, do that kind of stuff where I'm, it's just me and my assistant. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. No extra, really, really other fun. extra yeah. overheads. Now, do you give the bonus at the end of the year, every month, uh, every six months, quarterly, you know? Yeah. That first year I did it on a quarterly basis. Mm-hmm. And that was okay, but man, we have crazy fluctuations. Sure. And and so, and a lot of that is some weird dynamic that I I can't figure out. <laughs> Part of it is my travel schedule, mm-hmm. uh, meeting schedule, that kind of thing. And so, for example, we might do a hundred and ten thousand in January and do sixty two thousand in February. Right. And and so. It's uh, it's rocking. It's roller coaster enough that that quarterly thing didn't didn't give them work enough out very well. Give them yeah. enough. Give them enough uh, impede, yeah. uh, push. Okay. Yeah. And and to be honest, to be fair to my team, <clears throat> like they are not motivated by money. <laughs> like we we have tried to do the whole grab bag thing. Like yeah. if you do this amount of production today then tomorrow you get to pull from a bag wow. and you can get anywhere from 10 to 100 dollars we've done monthly things we've done rolling quarterly things all and and none of that has made a lick of difference in our production scheduling anything and some of it taught some awareness yes. so you know i think for to some degree there is that benefit so for example a daily grab bag it teaches them to pay attention to the schedule and if something cancels to fill it with something productive, not a denture adjustment. Right, right, right. So it does start to create a mindset of of filling for mm. appropriate time. But other than that, like they they were not motivated by money. So mm. that is a real credit to them. So any to back to the original question, I found that Ultimately, the end of the year mm. creates a much bigger wow factor. Right, right. So being able to give them a, a $1,500 bonus at the end yeah, of the year right. instead of like 100 bucks sure. this quarter, uh, $200 that quarter, even though at the end of the year it's the same number, there's something about an envelope that has yeah, so those green rectangles in it that <laughs> just really makes people smile. Got it. Got it. So in our same example, if, uh, you know, and you're based everything on collections, you're not doing it on production, uh, you know, the bonus That's right. structure. So that obviously makes That's sense. That's right. Um, so, so in the same example, if you jumped 20% uh, 
from 60,000 from 50,000 to 60,000 a, uh, a year like monthly basis so you're making 10 grand extra every year so 120,000 a year uh off that 120,000 you're giving 20% to between all the staff members right that's right so that'll become in this example right. would be 24,000 and that you're that's split, right. you're splitting that between how many staff members uh nine nine and um and you're paying something extra to the hygienist or you're paying something extra to uh to the assistant how you differentiating or managing yes so i look at the number of hours they worked so that acts as a baseline okay so for example i might it, it there is no like set formula here sure, it's sure. it's a little bit of just a uh, mental gymnastics that i do with myself mm-hmm. so uh, let's just say i have uh 20 grand that i want a bonus yeah and and i have uh 10 people um the the person that worked the most hours worked uh let's say 1000 hours okay so i might say okay um that's the baseline yeah everybody They're who worked less yeah a $1000 if you work 900 hours you're going to get $900 as your baseline mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay that's going to take up whatever it is um half the money mm. the other half i'm going to kind of divvy out based on what i've experienced from the different team members through the year mm. so if people really went above and beyond worked put in extra time uh helped to clean the office uh <laughs> you know made extra phone calls to patients um did yeah. different stuff like that then i'm going to bump theirs up okay but they're at least, they're not going to go below that baseline, baseline that is based on their number of hours got it got it that makes sense and now uh obviously you know i, I don't know if that happens but this is human nature right people yep. would talk how much yeah. did you get how much i got yeah. right yeah. and it, could that create uh, in your experience um, some animosity or something on those lines or uh, i don't sure, like her. it could yeah. so i again i'm pretty transparent i say Look, this is based initially on your number of hours worked. Okay. So people that worked more hours are going to get more money. Mm. And then secondarily, it's based on what you've done extra for the office. Mm. And so But that's subjective. People, But that is subjective. Yeah, it is subjective to me. And yeah, I yeah. I say that that's it's what I see. <laughs> what what I see is what you get. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. <clears throat> so um and I also tell them like it's not real smart to go comparing your envelopes with each other. Right. But If you decide to, then just realize that this is based on this criteria, some of which is objective, some is subjective, and um d- whatever you want to do with that. Now, with that said, again, a credit to my team, mm. they have never I've never heard bickering or complaining or mm. whining about, oh, this person got more than this person or yeah. anything like that. And maybe I just don't hear it. <laughs> maybe it maybe it's how I'm approaching it. maybe it's just that they're awesome people yes, and yes. that that they uh they appreciate what they're getting but they haven't complained and if i had somebody that was complaining about that yeah then uh, then i would have a talk with them fair enough fair enough well <clears throat> seems like you travel a lot uh we've been talking and uh you know uh going back and forth uh in this uh, conversation now uh do you like to travel for fun or see courses or mix or what most yeah of the time. these 
these days it is mostly work related. Uh, by work related, I mean either CE yeah. or as part of a the secondary business that I'm now involved with. Yes, and so that those two things take up the majority, and then thrown in there, oh, twice a year maybe is travel for just fun. Got it. So, um, so most of the time it's because of the business. So, are we talking about Insp- Inspiro? Here? That's right. Okay. So, why not we get into Inspiro then? You know? Sure. Right. Um, Let's do. I actually went to the website, uh, but uh, essentially loved the definition of leadership there. Great. I don't know if it's your zone or, um, but I loved it. It said capacity to translate vision into reality. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful definition. It's like very succinct. How did you define vision for you yourself personally? And then uh, we'll go to vision for your company. Yeah. Vision is, is um, similar to leadership in, in that it is the ability to know yourself in a way that allows you to determine where you want to be in the future. So that's having a clarity of your core values, how you want to live your life, and being able to then act on that. So from a personal standpoint, that is typically not just a solo effort for people. Sure. Uh, So it includes a significant other, and therefore you have two independent visions of the future. Right. And then you have a joint vision of the future. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And then it's, to me, that has to fit intimately with a vision of the business. Hmm. And I think the business needs to be somewhat of a reflection of the person that owns and or leads it. So that's that's partly in in how the core values are reflected in the actions of that person and that business and that's partly then what that business is doing so just because I'm a dentist uh it's it's what am i doing for my patients how am i presenting dentistry to my patients what am i what kind of dentistry am i doing what kind of relationships am I forming with my patients or not? Mm-hmm. And so all of that is wrapped up in, in having a vision that is acted upon. Right. So there are two or three keywords here, vision, core values. Some yes. of the core values we are, you know, uh, I think that's my understanding. I can be, I'm not an expert, but my, some of the core values you're just born with, you know, born with, that's your personality. That's my understanding. Some of the core values you develop when you're growing up with your family, your parents and whatnot, right? Your exposure to environment and whatnot. What are the other core values that you can develop and you might have developed over the last 10 years, 15 years before Inspiro was born? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You see where I'm going? Okay. So I I think if I I go on a, a long rant here and I don't answer 
or address the comment, then just rephrase it. <laughs> I'll kind of bring you back. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. So uh, first is a difference between core values and values. Right. So core values are going to be limited to three to five typically mm-hmm. uh, in number. Mm-hmm. Values could be more than that. You can have things that you value or you have values that you want to portray. And those can be 10, 20, depending on the person. That core value thing, though, is something that is – some people say, some researchers, maybe psychologists, okay. I'm not sure which, maybe both, mm-hmm. say is that you do form some of those by the age of three. Right. And – I don't know enough about the research to be able to really dispute that. Although I think that there's, like you were saying, there's a lot that goes into how that's formed when you're a kid and and how that develops as you age and what you learn and turns into something that you're able to have the self-awareness to evaluate what your core values are. Right. So core values need to be uh, personal, deeply held, acted upon and prized. And so if they're not, if you don't do those things with them, they're not a core value. Got it. So a lot of times that's, that's a big mistake that people make is they'll, they'll do a core values list and they'll pick out their top 10, (laughs) then they'll narrow it down to seven and they'll narrow it down to five. They're like, okay, these five, these are my five. And then you say, okay, are you doing that every day? Right. Are you are you mm-hmm. sharing across the world that these are your core values and these are the things you do? If not, then they're not your core values. And so you kind of then have to look at what you're doing with your life. And if your life is portraying that it's something completely different, then yeah. you need to reevaluate and maybe take a workshop on emotional intelligence or something. Right. So uh, that was a plug. So <laughs> then we um, – so how does that how has that changed? You asked over the last ten to fifteen years. So that was that's right. Yeah. That's what you asked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So th- it has. I don't think it has changed in action. It has changed in awareness. So I've become more aware of what it means to live through core values. And have realized that there was a lot of things I was doing that were congruent with what I perceived as my core values. And there were some things that I was doing that weren't. And it, that it became something, okay, do I, is that what I want to be or is this? And that forced a, a change in me, a change in action, I should say, in how I show up at my office, for example. And... Mm-hmm how I interact with my team and how I interact with patients and being more there for them rather than that being a place I go to go do dentistry. Hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. So I, I think I answered. Yes. No, no, you're, you're right okay. on track. You're right on track. Now, okay. uh, obviously, um, you know, younger dentists who are coming out as younger, I mean, you know, obviously yeah. you've got more experience, you're seasoned dentist. I'm still learning a lot, you know, uh, I'm, I'm young, younger relatively. How can one actually uh, reflect on those values or emotional intelligence, as you said? Uh, you know, obviously they can come to learn from you, you know, what, how you can 
or how a newcomer can uh, learn just you know at least start to scratch the surface of uh, emotional intelligence what yeah. exercises rituals that you can tell them to to get there yeah so it, it has been a long road of exploring a number of different areas and so mm-hmm. the gold standard would be a guy named Daniel Goleman mm. G O L E M A N so he wrote the book on emotional intelligence back in like the late 80s yeah early 90s and it's he's got a couple books that are a bit of a tough read because they're very academic mm. but they teach you a lot he he talks about the the four areas of emotional intelligence, the first of which is self-awareness and the importance of that. And then the second of which is self-management, which is then living your core values, really. Right, and right, so right. That's, that's where I would say would be the best resource to really dig into the emotional intelligence world okay. and learn it the right way. Hmm. Um, he even has stuff on uh, leadership styles that are related to emotional intelligence and how to use them, when to use them. He's really got a plethora of of information, probably five or six different books that you could get into across the board there, some of which are more academic, some of which are more a little easier on the eyes and brain. So I'd look at his look up his name and see what trips your trigger for what you're wanting to learn. From an easier standpoint and kind of fun, mm-hmm. uh, there's something called the via character strengths. So this is similar People have probably heard of Strengths Finder. It's been around a long time. There's even Strengths Finder 2.0 now, okay. and, th- and that's kind of nice. But uh, via V I A Character Strengths is a easy, free website you can go to okay. and take this little like 40 question test, hmm. and you get your character strengths. Okay. So this to me is really interesting and ties in with core values because their research shows that if you are living to where you are utilizing your strengths, Mm -hmm. you will be more fulfilled, you'll be happier, you'll be more interested in life and in work and all this stuff. And if you're not, then you want to try to find things that will allow you to utilize your strengths. Right, right, right. So, You go through that and you find that your top five character strengths and they have definitions for each and there's even books on how to to, uh, maximize and whatever else. Some of it is a little fluffy, but (laughs) the point being that you look at that stuff and you find your character strengths and there's oftentimes a real overlap with core values. So... I, I love that aspect of it and trying to tie those things together for people that are new to the world of core values because everybody has done an online test, whether it's what kind of potato are you or what, what's your Star Trek character <laughs> yeah. to whatever. Right, right. So this one is just a little bit more serious, but it's still fun. Yes. And you get your top five character strengths and it allows you to kind of explore it in a fun way initially yeah. before getting into the heavier, heavier stuff of yeah. – core values that require real deep introspection and stuff. Yeah. Got it, got it. No, that's hard uh, because uh, I think um, when we are younger, we for us, everybody is like, oh, yeah, I, I want to do this. I know what I want to do. Uh, it's, uh, it's funny that we are talking about something on those lines. Uh, yesterday, I, yesterday, Wednesday, Wednesday, two days ago, I interviewed a TED speaker um, 
Dr. Phil Borges, um, and he was an orthodontist. He okay. Be- yeah, he got into photography. Of 18 years of working as an orthodontist, made good money in San Francisco, um, <clears throat> and uh, you know, uh, got into photography. And then finally, he produced a movie uh, called Crazy Vice. So I think, uh, okay. Uh, and I had a very similar talk. Uh, you know, uh, how did you even figure out what made you fulfilled? I think we all, including me. Um, get lost in what makes i like dentistry don't get me wrong i like dentistry you know i like meeting people like that's the reason this podcast is in there for to begin with <clears throat> but somehow at least that's what i'm alluding to i don't know if it's fulfilling to me like i still feel a little void for the lack of better term you know yeah. um, and i think uh, emotional intelligence or character thing uh, yeah. you talked about might help in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it would and so then to to maybe completely confuse the situation, I just finished reading a book called Identity by mm. Robert Fritz. And it really was like a punch in the face to some of the stuff that I've been mm. p- proposing lately because it says it really doesn't matter what you think about yourself. Like he says self-esteem doesn't matter. Hmm. What matters is doing what you want to do. So if you have a task that you want to complete, then figure out a way to complete that task. Don't don't put your all of your self-worth on you b- doing that task. Hmm. It's just a task. Okay. So he tries to take the self out of the equation. He talks about like, you know, Warren Buffett doesn't look at himself in the mirror and say every day and say, uh, you're a good person or you're good at money. Um, mm. it, he just is, he just does it. Um, right. he, and he has a, yeah, he has a few other examples. So I, I think of that whenever you talk about what you just said, because it sounded to me like you were looking for dentistry to be a source of fulfillment. And mm-hmm. so sometimes it can be, but again, that would be a lot of deeper exploring of what you're trying to get out of it. Right. So for example, if you're looking for a connection with patients so that patients are saying, thank you, you're, you're awesome, that kind of thing, there's a way to get there. If you're looking for the 10-year follow-up of the filling you did that looks amazing, mm. then there's a way to get there. Mm. And if you're looking for every day to be something that you're just beaming and and all that, then I'm going to say that we need to have a talk about what's realistic. And the fact that that one issue we have now is this uh society of thinking that every day has to be blissful and and unicorns and rainbows right. and and that's that's not the case you know bad days are okay right you right. know feel feeling crappy one day is okay mm. because um again it go, I'm going to reference an old book that I read a long time ago uh called awareness by Anthony DeMello I don't know if I'm saying that right DeMello DeMaio mm. and 
he talks about how we we have ups and downs and we have to learn to appreciate the downs mm. so that we can really appreciate the, the ups. Highs. Yeah. Yeah. But if we're up all the time or or trying to be up all the time, then we're setting ourselves up for failure. Right. So right, right. we we just we don't we're not wired that way. Mm. And so realizing that there are good days, average days and great days and and fully experiencing each of those when they happen allow giving yourself permission to have a crappy day. Yes. And right. then celebrating those great days. Right. And what ends up happening is it it really mellows things out to where the crappy days all of a sudden aren't nearly as crap as they used to be. Fair enough. Yeah. But the great days are still pretty great. Yeah. And right. So so then the way that gets into fulfillment then is it's that awareness of the world around you and then the your ability to say okay what is it that i want what do i want to do for my patients or for my team or for myself or my family mm-hmm. and how can i best do that is it um you know providing amazing dentistry is it doing all emergency dentistry all day long mm-hmm. or is it doing one case a day and just rebuilding somebody from start to finish right whatever it may be from a technical standpoint or is it the relationships you form mm. and what does it take then to step back and say okay i'm going to produce a little bit less yeah but i'm going to spend just an extra 5 minutes with every person that i see today because that 5 minutes could have a huge impact on that person's experience here and sure. i mean that kind of fulfillment when the patients leave and they're probably not going to say it to you very often, mm. but if they leave and your receptionist comes back and says, hey, so-and-so just left and she had the biggest smile on her face. She said that the fact that you listened to her story made her day. Right. Like that, That's pretty powerful. It is. It is. So so I would say if if you don't know that dentistry, quote-unquote, is, is the right thing or fulfilling, then what is? Hmm. And for that, how do they allude to that, you know, by just reflecting on emotional intelligence, the character, what what really makes you happy, happy, uh, what makes you excited? Uh, they, ha- they should answer such questions uh, and literally reflect sitting in the corner, switch off their phones. And <laughs> uh, I, I think that's the way that they should do yeah. it. Right. Yeah. So I would advocate for, yeah, if you can do it, then it's just introspection. It's, you know, uh, finding something that you can read that kind of provides some instruction maybe about just things to think about to guide you there. Uh, You can do guided imagery is kind of nice. It's sort of like guided meditation, except it's done for the strict purpose of of promoting a creative thought process around what it is you want or desire or want to live your life like. Mm. And so there's free resources online. If you just Google guided imagery for creativity, for example, then you'll get some examples that come up. Um, We actually do that in, so 
part of Inspiro is also applied strategic planning. Okay. And so a, a huge part of that is doing a visioning retreat with okay. the dentist and their significant other. And we spend a weekend talking about what they want of themselves, their relationship, their future, all that stuff. And we start that off with about a 10 or 15 minute guided imagery exercise where we just sit and close our eyes and it's sort of like a meditation. You just listen and you walk through this um, creativity experience and then we give them freedom to go and just think and write and writing helps a ton. So um, if you do, like you just said, if you just go in the corner and think about things, bring a notepad with you so Mm. that you can make notes as thoughts come in your head. And that's the other thing. Don't beat yourself up. If thoughts don't come to your head in 10 minutes, then leave it and come back another time. Okay. And if thoughts are flowing, then don't stop yourself. Just write, write and write and write and mm. as much as you want. Come back in the next day or a week later and read what you wrote. Yeah. And you'll find things really stand out as, as powerful. And so you go through and circle those. Mm. And from that, you can actually write yourself a vision statement. Wow. Wow. This is interesting. Um, it reminds me of my childhood days, to be honest. Oh. I, uh, yeah, I used to write a lot. <clears throat> I, just, I used to just keep on writing and writing for an hour. I don't know what I'm writing, but whatever fuck is coming in my mind, I'm just jotting it down. And then, uh, and I was doing it whenever I used to feel like, okay? So one exercise that I had was like, if today is like, 13th December, I would go back 13th December 2018 or yeah. close to that date, you know, uh, a year ago and see what was, what was I doing at that time, you know? Uh, and yeah. then that used to help me a lot, to be honest. Probably, uh, uh, probably because of that, I think I'm in the US to begin with. Let's put it that wow. way. Yeah. 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 So, uh, no, thank you. Thank you for sharing. That's, that's huge. And obviously, uh, uh, if I, if I remember correctly, at Inspiro, you do have some some uh, course or uh, you know spending time with, uh, at Inspiro uh, on on such a topic, right? So yeah, yes, correct. We have it. It is a dedicated emotional intelligence workshop that is either two or three days long, and it does go through all that. It is really geared towards emotional intelligence and dentistry, mm-hmm. but it does go through the the four different. Uh, domains of emotional intelligence. That's self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and social management. And then we spend some time on leadership and we spend time, most of the time, on how to utilize the that form of communication with team members and patients. Okay. Okay. So, great. Um, I'll, I try to put the link in there, a common link, so that people, awesome. people can actually go in there. Um, uh, while we're talking on such emotional stuff, uh, let's go into a little bit of statistical curve thing. You said uh, on Twitter, if I remember correctly, you said, uh, bell curve always wins. <laughs> I thought that would be interesting. Yes. I, I mean, I, as some guy who didn't know what a bell curve is probably asked you, what are you talking about? And you replied, bell curve. <laughs> it was funny because, you know, we dentists and maybe uh, other uh, mathematicians or scientists, we all understand bell curve very commonly. 
than the regular people i'm just guessing uh, yeah. so what were you what did you mean by bell curve always wins <laughs> you have really done your research here that's great <clears throat> okay so uh, there's a story there as well so this goes back to some old days on dentaltown and i was in a discussion with phil on dentaltown those of you that are on dentaltown as regulars will know phil and uh, we were arguing about some sort of uh, statistical thing, and I think I had posted a uh, like a polar plot of something, and he said, "What in the world is that? That do- that doesn't make any sense." I said, uh-huh. "What do you mean? It's just a polar plot." And, it, and I tried to start to explain it. He said, "No, the bell curve is where it's at," and he posts a bell curve, and okay. I was like, "Well, yeah, but that doesn't explain this situation." He's like, no, the bell curve explains everything. Hmm. And within like two weeks, there were, mo- there was, I don't know, a handful of other examples where he <laughs> was like, see the bell curve, see the bell curve right here. <laughs> and he was right. And so ever since then, it's been a running joke between, I don't know, maybe half a dozen or a dozen of us that are kind of close from the old Dentaltown days that the bell curve is like the answer to everything. So, <laughs> and it's, it's almost a truth. You could almost uh, hang your hat on it because you look at anything and the results of any test, the uh, um, surveys, uh, whatever, mm-hmm. and it's going to fall in a bell curve. And so some things you want to be in the middle of that bell curve. Some things you want to be one end or the other, but well, it's all about the bell curve. I understand. Now, uh, Obviously, after you elaborate it, it makes more sense and it's funnier. You know, it's yeah. not an inside joke anymore, I believe. So, <laughs> but uh, I think, but you don't belong into the bell curve. You are certainly at the, uh, you know, at the other ends, one one of the other ends of the bell curve for sure. You have your weird hours. <laughs> one of the ends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have weird hours to start like 7.30 in the morning and 12.30, yes. right? I mean, by one, whatever. Um, and you travel more, right? You still have lesser uh, expenses and overheads now. Uh, you're growing 20%, which is great, I believe. Um, and everybody would agree to that. It's huge. Not to mention you have awareness, which is hard. You know, people are just going into the details of, oh, get up in the morning, do some exercise, go to work, come back, walk your dog, eat, sleep, repeat. Mm-hmm. At least you have... You're doing more than the uh, regular dentist, I should say. You know, uh, I'm not demeaning anybody. I'm one of them, by the way. But uh, I'm trying to say, you certainly belong to one of the other ends of uh, bell yeah. curve. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I think that there's an interesting point there that, that I think is worth having more discussions about in general, as well as right here, and that is that I I have sort of created that because it's what I I want. It's it's how I want to live my life. It's how I want to be. It's and I know when enough is enough. So there are, I think, way too many people that get sucked into always having to do more. Right. And always having to produce more, always having to make more, and then they spend more. And so they have to make even more. And there's this cycle of perpetual striving that isn't healthy in the end. And that's where we see a lot of problems. Now, that gets complicated when you look at the debt levels today 
of of people coming oh, out of school. And right. so, I mean, that's a whole nother difficult um, wrench in that equation of how do you manage that and still try to live the life you want to live and that there are no real great answers there. But what I can advocate for is that as you decrease debt, you increase your ability to have freedom to do things the way you want to do them. And that creates a sense of peace, of pride, of uh, comfort and stability and things that all just end up making life better and easier. That's really great. I mean, everybody should strive for that. And I think um, <clears throat> uh, I, I really want to get there. But how, how did you arrive at this conclusion? I know it's not one day reflection or one month no. reflection. It's years and years. But <clears throat> if you remember any of the milestones uh, over the period of last 18, 20 years that you've been practicing dentistry uh, yeah. uh, and so on, uh, uh, would you be able to, if you remember, share the milestones? Oh, you know what? When this happened, I drifted more towards, you know, I got more aware into yeah. getting into this line. Or were you uh, already aware because of your upbringing, how your parents... Uh, no, I would, know, I would say I was really unaware going into dental school. Like I, I became a dentist because my mom told me I should look into orthodontics and I thought that looked boring, but <laughs> dentists could make really good money yeah. and they had more variety. Yeah. So like it wasn't some altruistic thing where I want to help people. It was like there's variety and money and that looks good to me. Well, show and me your so, essay. Show me your essay for your school. I'm sure it says altruism. I bet it does. Yeah. I probably even said that during my interview. I really, yeah. So, th but that's, yeah, that's just the, the truth of it. And so then going into practice, I realized there were things I really liked doing though. Like I love surgery. Yeah. And so whenever I opened my practice from scratch, again, that was just like silly. It was like, hey, I want to do this mm. and I'm going to do it the way I want to do it because I want to work in a place that makes me happy every day. Right. I don't want to go work in a dump. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so I built that and it could have easily failed, but it didn't. It was really pretty successful. But then uh, my first real self-awareness about money anyway came when I got divorced mm. and the judge was on... Um, sided with her instead of me. And so mm. I had a big amount of money to pay and I had no money because it was a new practice. I still had a lot of debt and the judge didn't realize that. Okay. Uh, it's really still a frustrating conversation to have about how silly that, that all was. But yeah. that's where I first said, okay, I can't be doing this for the money. Mm. I, I need to like look, really look and see, okay, what, why am I doing this? What do I want to do? Do I want to do something different or is this it? And I realized I really liked a lot of the things in dentistry. There were some things that were headaches, but they weren't that big of headaches. And there was a lot of room to rebound mm. financially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there were a number of years that were difficult and stressful and all that. But sure. ultimately, that was a big piece of learning. And then... Um, 
when I moved back to Illinois in 2010 was another big piece of mm-hmm. saying, um, ha- how do I define myself? Um, wow. Meaning, I'm not, am I defined by where I live or the practice I have or am I defined some other way? Mm. And it was around that time where I, I had to, I had to be me. I had to, to just say, okay, this is who I am. This is how I am. And therefore I'm going to have this kind of practice. I'm going to have this kind of friends. I'm going to have, I'm not going to be somebody else. How long, I'm not uh, going to, how long it had been when you graduated from dental school in 2010? Uh, 10 years. It's been 10 years. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I'm now 20 years. So June is my 20 year anniversary. From yeah. We should all celebrate then, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that was so, your second milestone. So divorce yeah. and the second milestone at 2010. Yeah. yeah. So then from there, it's really been a gradual um, uptick in learning and just constantly wanting to be a, a better human. So, mm. you know, doing fitness stuff because I love it, but also because it's good for you. And, and then advocating for that as well. Sure. Uh, in my practice, I don't, there's a lot of things I don't do correctly in my practice, but <laughs> they, I do them. And I don't mean that I'm like doing shitty dentistry. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, in business like I, terms. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I could certainly be a better business person, but that would require me not doing things the way I want to do them. And I could have lower overhead, but then I'm going to be doing, again, it, it goes back to being clear about core values as well as what things are worthwhile to me. Right, right. And and then making sure that fits within a necessary framework. So, for example, I couldn't just go and do dentistry for free for very long. Right. Because, uh, yeah. Bills, yeah. 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 So, There is a, a framework there. So then that gets to a quote I found. It's probably been 10 years, maybe even more than 10 years. I don't know. But it's by Kurt Vonnegut. And he's he's uh, talking to somebody. He's at the, um, he's at like a funeral. He's talking to a buddy and he says, it's actually a poem I think that he wrote. Mm. It's called Joe Heller. And he basically says, hey, how does it feel to know that this guy made more in a day than what you're going to make in your whole life. The guy was a billionaire or something. Okay. And even uh, Joe Heller, I think, was an author that made a lot of money off of some books. Mm. And and the guy says, well, I've got him beat. He's like, what do you mean? How, how can you say <laughs> that? He's like, well, I know when enough is enough. Right. And and I, I just, I love that sentiment. I love that that you can say, You know, I I don't care. A- after you reach a certain threshold of income or exercise or food or any of these things, you have to know when enough is enough. Sure, sure. And so I feel like something that is somewhat unique about me right now is that I've found that. Mm. And I'm now trying to help other people find that, Great. I guess you could say. But that's that's so powerful mm-hmm. and, in my opinion, important. So it's not always easy for somebody that's young to do that. Sure. Because 
their their world is clouded by debt and by other people that are making a lot of money or that are living a certain lifestyle and they want to go along. They want to go hang out with their friends and go to dinners and all that kind of stuff. And so you run it and really, you know, a big part of it is money. Like that is a really the uh, overly dominant factor in this whole equation and how that influences our choices. But uh, at some point you have to be able to say, you know, I'm going to sacrifice something in order to be able to have a smile on my face. Sure. No, that's that's great. Um, now, I think um, it, it's hard. Uh, once It's hard because we are, as you said, clouded by all the, all the debts. And, oh, I have yep. a student loan to pay. It's 15th already. I got to pay for that. Uh, so you have to keep going through the process. Um, uh, I think Naval Ravikant, uh, he's also one of those great... He's a great podcast. Uh, it's a Netflix-style podcast. Like, basically, he's already released all the episodes together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Naval, I'll send you the link. Uh, great. Uh, and he says on one of those um, podcasts, and he says that uh, it's 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 better that I I get what I want to get now, get all the money that I can get now so that I can help, you know, whoever I want to help as much as I can and I want to help. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an interesting take. I had a, a really good conversation with someone uh, just this summer mm. that talked about uh, a a difficult decision in they were getting ready to retire. Okay. And so they weren't sure if they wanted to fully retire because that would mean they would then have limited money that they could use to donate mm. to various causes. So they were thinking of working an extra few years so that they would have more money to help fund a, it was actually a clinic like in Uganda or something. And they wanted to be able to do that. So they were going to try to work extra to do that. Mm -hmm. I think that's, it's an interesting take on what are you using your skills for? And, um, yeah, I find that interesting. Great. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. It's it's deep. Um, now, <clears throat> I was also looking at your CEO, Ryan Colon, right? Yes. Now, the way I understand uh, is uh, there are two or three people involved at Inspiro. You, Ryan, and I think one of the other guy, Terry? Uh, I forgot uh, the name. Don. Don. I don't remember the name. So, what made you hire a CEO or yeah, is he so, not hired uh, is a part no, of the, okay. Yeah. So that's also an interesting story. So, thank you. Uh, Bob Frazier had his, this b- business for 40 years where he did, um, coaching, consulting, strategic planning, emotion intelligence. Uh, he teaches this new patient experience, um, of how to bring new patients into an office in a, like a very, uh, relationship-based way and and he does a wilderness adventure like he was doing just things all over the map and has been for a long time well he retired in like 98 or 99 and so has just been doing this stuff for what's that 20 years okay so so he was looking he's like 75 now Mm. and so a few years ago he was looking to replace himself 
Right. And so I had had a little conversation with them. And at the time, I was somewhat experienced, I'm a newbie in the world of applied strategic planning because I had done it with the AES. Mm. And Bob was the facilitator for that process. So I got to know the process, got to know Bob, and I, I really liked that. I, I kind of fell into it and was fairly good at it. Okay. And so really hit it off with Bob in that process. And so talked to him a little bit, but it was like, Bob, you know, the only thing that you do that I would really have an affinity for is this strategic planning. Like all the other stuff, you would, we would need somebody else. Yeah. So he was also talking to some other people about about things. And it just so happened that Ryan and Don were talking to Bob about taking over his business. Mm. And so Don was just getting ready to retire. And Ryan is quite young. Ryan's only like 36, something like that. And mm-hmm. um, fairly mm-hmm. new in practice, but doing quite well. And started off with all this training like right out of school. So he's, even though he's only been in practice like six or seven years, he's got six or seven years of this kind of thinking and training and all that. So anyway, uh, Ryan and Don were at an AES meeting and we were all talking and they were like, yeah, we're looking at Bob's business and not sure we can handle the whole thing. And I said, well, I'm interested in the the strategic planning stuff. If you guys want a third person, they were like, yeah, we think we do. Okay. So that's where the three of us came together as partners to form Inspiro uh-huh. And essentially, I guess you could say bought Bob's business. Right, right. And right. Bob is still a integral part of it. He's still heavily involved doing teaching and coaching and all that stuff, but is kind of also mentoring us for the okay. different areas that we need mentored. So now me and Ryan and Don are the owners, and we just wanted to have a a no-headed business, like no CEO, no president, just the three of us would be the partners and that's how it would function. Yeah. But we found that that can be chaotic and people don't like not knowing who to go to approach for things. And to say the three of us was was not very helpful. So Mm. after some conversation, Ryan is really kind of the visionary one of the group okay. and has the big ideas and really wants to like take over the world kind of <laughs> stuff. Uh, Don is more of like a numbers guy and I'm more like the critical thinker, I guess you could say. So mm. we just kind of assigned roles yeah. based on some of that. And mm-hmm. so Ryan was the CEO and president and Don was going to be the CFO and COO, and I'm just like a senior VP or something. <laughs> so it's really kind of meaningless letters there because we don't really fulfill any of the normal things you would think of for those roles. Other than Don, Don does do a, a ton for that CFO, COO kind of role right. with the organization. <clears throat> yeah, got it. No, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I I thought it was a little different for you know somebody to have a CEO when you. So I'm glad that you opened up that story. Yeah, uh, people can connect to it. I'm sure. Now you mentioned a phrase, uh, you know, uh, critical thinking. Yes. Uh, and uh, I think uh, you were talking about it, um, if I'm not wrong, in on Delta Town about it. Yes. Um, 
Now, what do you, what do you, what are you trying to implement or uh, trying to say by critical thinking, uh, in especially especially oh, in terms gosh. of role role in dentistry, you know. Uh, I, I know yeah. it's a it's a it's a it's a whole course in in itself, but you know just to get a tease, uh, what do you mean by uh, critical thinking? Uh, yeah, so I'm going to back up just a second and say uh, so critical thinking, it, like you just said, is would be a, a course in it itself uh, on a college level, and so to try to just sum it up, it's it's having an ability to to think through questions with little to no emotion so okay trying to take emotion out of the equation when we're looking at something so stoicism in a way yeah yeah right? i think that would fit nicely yeah and so that in dentistry fits because we've got well we have awful research to support most of what we do and <laughs> The good news about what we do is that we at least we have plausibility behind the treatments. Right. So, so for example, mm-hmm. if we're talking about um, um, a a root canal and performing a root canal. There is plausibility behind removing stuff, cleaning it, and sealing it, and having it heal yeah. and be fine. Right. And even though we don't have great data on the best way to do that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we know that a number of different ways to get there can could work yes and so then we can argue about the details do you let the bleach sit for 90 seconds or three minutes do you instrument to an 04 or an 06 taper do you go half a millimeter short or do you go out the apex do you you know all that little stuff right we can start to argue and we can look at the research and we find the research is garbage and so we say, well, I'm going to I'm going to do whatever works best for me today. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, critical thinking is being able to become unattached from any specific technique or procedure, so that we can appropriately change course when needed, or or provide a treatment when needed for a specific patient. So. Uh, I think of it, it ties in really well with evidence-based dentistry, right, right. which is also a long, could be a long conversation. So that is something that is somewhat near and dear to me because I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. And yet people don't understand it. As long as it's been around, there's just so many misconceptions. People think evidence-based dentistry is just doing what the evidence says. Mm-hmm. And mm. that's not what it is. Well, there is a big chunk of uh, in evidence-based dentistry your own experience, exactly, uh, which people don't. It's not a cookie-cutter approach because oh, that's do right. the root canal this way and that's it. No, you gotta change it sometimes. The other day, I had this number two root canal I was doing, yeah. and uh, the patient needed a root canal, of course, um, and then we went in and. I, I couldn't see the mesial root. I knew it was something fishy there, but I continued continued working with it. And guess what? It was dilacerated. It was so much dilacerated that I had a U, U-bend kind of scenario. I, I couldn't finish it. I was like, listen, listen, lady, I can keep going on for another two hours and I would barely 
get there with my, you know, uh, pro taper. I have to mm-hmm. use hand files, but there's only so much I can do. I don't have a microscope. So you are better, you know, taken care of by an endodontist who has a microscope. You got the idea. Uh, but yeah. also, um, uh, it doesn't really go through pro taper all the time. Sometimes you got to use hand files and that's where the experience and so-called right. evidence-based dentistry comes into picture. That's right. You got it. Uh, I have uh, so many other questions pertaining to exercise and you being, okay. uh, you know, uh, all over Instagram, there were only two pictures either of your dogs or you running, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know how to start this, but uh, how did you get into, uh, you know, uh, being a health nut, if I have to say, use the word, you know, uh, so much into try. You're a triathlete. Come on. I can barely run to work to my office, but <laughs> you know, running, running, swimming, biking, all three, these are all tough things to do. And, um, I only know Dr. Bilal Saif, who's, uh, who's the triathlete too. I interviewed him by the way too. Um, so that was a very fun conversation, but forget that. Um, on the flip side, tell us your journey about, you know, involved into, uh, in, in this world of exercise, dieting, drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Dr. B is a great guy. I got to sit down with him at the ADA meeting, uh, two years ago, I think it was Yeah. And in Atlanta. And, uh, yeah, it was great to meet him in person. So, um, anyway, on to, yeah, the exercise thing has always been a part of my life from when I was a little kid running around the neighborhood to racing on the playground in grade school to track and football in is high it, school. Is it, uh, uh, were you uh, active naturally, I would say, or would, or your mom and dad kind of push you? You know, hey, you go. No, they, they never push me. In fact, they tell stories about how if I was a kid these days, I would have been medicated. So <laughs> they, they uh, and my, yeah, there's a story that I, my grandpa told them that they should medicate me because I was always running around. Um, we would fly down. My grandparents lived in Florida half the year, and so we would fly down there. And apparently when I was little, I would just run up and down the aisle of the airplane when we yeah. were flying. Yeah. And my parents kind of just let me run wild, it sounds like. And so <laughs> I've always just been really active mm. and moving. And so for the longest time, there was no thought about it. It was mm. just... Uh, yeah. these are the things that we do. We go run around, we go, <laughs> I, I play track and football. were just the, the sports that we did, uh, yeah. the group of friends I was with, uh, in college, I wasn't good enough to do those things in college. So I did the intramural sports mm. and just real active with people in college that were also active. And that's what you did. Um, on yeah. the weekends we would go and, and play like touch football or we would go, sign up for something and just do a race or whatever. And I, it was probably in college, partway through college that I would have gotten into running longer than just a sprint. So, and that was because of the girl I was dating <laughs> who was that, who was that first wife I told you about earlier. Yeah. yeah. But she, she was really into running. And so kind of got into running because of that. 
and liked it. So mm. running just got added to the mix. Uh, cycling has always been a love mm. of just getting out on the bike and going for an hour. Uh, I don't particularly like really long distance stuff. Okay. okay. Uh, that's that's kind of another story, but the yeah the short to middle distance stuff has always been a a fetish so to speak that I just <laughs> liked doing just liked moving I liked sweating and then I was also really active with just variation in college and through dental school and then when I let's see moved in in Colorado I did a lot of skiing snowboarding um just whatever was available. When I moved to Florida, that would have been 2005, I found a gym and they put on something called the Ultimate Athlete Contest. This hmm. was before CrossFit. This was two years before the first CrossFit competition. Okay. They had something called the Ultimate Athlete Competition, hmm. which was this weird series of events like running hurdles and then mountain biking and then pushing a truck and then carrying a farmer carry where you have big dumbbells you're carrying yep. and a sandbag toss and wow. all this stuff. And so I would do that and loved it. Just loved okay. the variety and the just like getting dirty. And like when the, all those mud runs came out, the warrior dash and tough mudder and stuff, I, I loved them. Just yep. loved the getting out and working hard and getting dirty. And so <laughs> that it's always been there in it's built in somewhere and so then maybe 15 years ago, 15, yeah, 15 years ago, I started researching more about the benefits of that hmm. and uh, reading about the importance of play, even for adults, and then the benefits of exercise, even a little bit of exercise, even, even a 20-minute walk per day has benefits for the brain. Okay. I mean, it's... It is awesome what physical activity can do for us, for our brains and our bodies. And so it's just been in the last 10 to 15 years that I've really gotten into that and mm. wanted to really advocate just just move. Like just you don't move. have to go do what I'm doing. Sure. Because that was the thing. Like my every office that I've worked in or owned, the staff or team has thought that I'm crazy. <laughs> Just because it's it's a little bit more than normal. Yeah. But it's I just love doing it. But now I say, you know, you don't have to do what I'm doing. Just go do something. Just find something that you can enjoy moving. How so how would you um how would you recommend for somebody, you know, who's just starting, who's just busy in their dentistry, loans, uh sea courses, walking dogs. Uh, you know, um, yeah. uh, uh, you know, amping up the business 20%, especially when they're working nine to five. You know, if somebody has your schedule, I think they still have a lot of chance. I love that yeah. schedule, by the way. Um, uh, how would you recommend somebody who's into a regular nine to five grind, uh, you know, for the lack of better term, uh, to start, to start something yeah. like that? Yeah. So the best way for the most benefit would be in the morning. Okay. So if that, if, and again, I don't have kids. Okay. So my, oftentimes my advice gets dismissed because I don't have kids. Right. And I, I can accept that. I appreciate that there are unique circumstances there. Sure. So if 
if you have kids, then I would say um, wake up 10 minutes early. Okay. Okay. And either go for a walk if it's mm-hmm. nice enough outside mm-hmm. or you have a treadmill mm-hmm. and walk at a pace that allows you to at least break a sweat. Okay. It, it only needs to be 10 minutes and you just need to break a sweat. But mm. that that's it. If you don't have those circumstances and you're you don't want to you're not a big fan of walking, then you could do the same thing. 10 minutes, do some air squats, do some lunges just in place, mm. do some push-ups either from your knees or um, against a wall if you're just beginning or something like that. Just again, all you're trying to do is break a sweat. Okay. So what that tells you, the reason I say break a sweat is because that tells you that you're getting your heart rate up, up. high enough mm-hmm. to have that real benefit. Okay. And so that 10 minutes, five days a week will have a profound influence on the rest of your day. Hmm. So then we look at, so that's to start your day. Okay. And if that's all you did, I think there would be benefits. You might be a little bit tired the first week or two, okay. but then it's going to be part of your routine and you're actually going to feel better. Then it's what are you doing during the day? Okay. So between patients, for example, uh-huh. are you going and sitting down and typing at your computer, playing on Facebook or Dentaltown and just <laughs> sitting there? Yeah. And if you are, then do that less. Okay. Okay. Walk walk up and down your hallway. Mm. Do a couple air squats. If you're sitting for for any more than 15 minutes straight, okay. Set a little timer. Um, there's some online you can put on your computer. You could set your watch. You could a uh, number of different things you could do to for that timer. But once you hit 15 minutes, stand up, stretch. Walk around for one to two minutes mm. before you sit down again. Okay. Okay. Got it. Easy. Easy. Peasy. Anybody can do that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Those two little things will profoundly in- influence your energy level and your brain. What about any supplements? Do Do you need to take any supplements at this stage? At the starting stage? No. How do you amp up from here? So. Let's say two weeks, three weeks, I did that. Take me as an example. I'm the perfect example to be started slow. So I did that. I'm doing two two weeks. What after two weeks? Yep. So what then would I would, if, if, you're, if you say, you know what? I, I'm maxing out my time. Yeah. I only have that 10 minutes. And then I have a little bit of time throughout my day between patients. I could do a little something sure. like stand up, walk around, whatever. Then I would say you're going to start increasing your intensity. In that 10 minutes. Okay. So you're yeah. going to go, you're going to walk for a minute and then you're going to jog for a minute. Okay. And you're going to walk for two minutes and then jog for one minute and just gradually increase the intensity mm. to where, and you could, you could spend months just working on that 10 minutes. Okay. Modifying intensity to where you went out and did just a minor warm up for a minute or two and then went hard for four to five minutes hmm. and then we there are specifics there are some things you can do to break that up where you do 20 seconds really hard and then 10 seconds rest 20 seconds really hard 10 seconds rest some other little variations there that you could play with yeah. once you're once you're feeling ready for it hmm. that can also amp up the physiological response even in that short window of time okay got it 
So And even then, you don't need supplements. You don't need supplements. Okay. You're still not you're still not going long enough to do need to do anything extra. You should actually don't consume more calories. Don't do anything extra other than maybe a little bit more water. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Now, what else? Uh so that's that's the initial training. Even intermediate training kind of you mentioned you have 10 minutes yeah. high intensity run take a break run take a break whatever uh somebody who doesn't like running um yeah. and you know who likes to do a little weight weights yeah uh because i think it's pretty attractive you know i'm lifting weights right uh i <laughs> i read uh, james clear i don't know if you know james clear uh from atomic habits uh yeah. i read his uh blog post and he really said one line which really kind of stuck with me was uh lifting weights or running down the stairs coming up the stairs running you know uh is very it's it's very objectively tells you if you are doing anything better you know if you can lift 150 pounds you can lift 150 pounds you know there is no doubts about that so it's a number so I personally like to, you know, as I said, I'm a fan of Tim Ferriss. I like to see if I have some some sort of objective measurement that I can look up to that I'm doing better than yesterday or last month or three months ago. Uh, what would you recommend for weights or anything on those lines? Yeah. So depending on where you live and what the gym is like, mm-hmm. I am a big fan of CrossFit. Okay. Uh, we, we do have a really kind of unique gym here in the number of coaches, the nutritional options they have and things like that. But I feel like they do a great job of bringing you in at where you are and customizing every single day to what you can do. What kind of gym is that? Like what was the name of the it's gym? It's a CrossFit gym. Okay. So in our town, it's called CrossFit Final Call. Okay. But there are thousands of CrossFit gyms sure. around the country. Okay. And they're not, because they're all independently owned, it's sort of like a franchise. So, you know, uh, you, you never quite know what you're going to get in terms of the coaches that are there. But mm-hmm. if they're following the methodology that is taught by CrossFit headquarters, then it'll be good for that beginner to get in, learn how to properly do. Olympic movements, squat, deadlift, uh, bench press, that kind of stuff with correct form. Okay. So that would be an important consideration. If you don't have one of those, then I would suggest uh, at least starting out so that you learn how to do the movements correctly to hire a personal trainer for at least a month to get an idea of proper technique. So once you have that, then – you could you could set up a gym in your garage or your basement right. and work on weights and then you're going to break it up by body part. So you might do chest and triceps on Monday, you might do back and biceps on Wednesday mm. and then do legs on Friday. Got it. And you could rotate that so and keep a little log book mm-hmm. so that you there's a number of different ways to go about how to work through a progression to get stronger or to get better endurance. So, you know, you could use weights also for cardio. I mean, Mm. you could do, just put the bar on your back and try and do 100 squats. You're going to be breathing really hard, (laughs) even though that is a really, really light weight. 
Yeah. So yeah. Uh, on the op- opposite side of that, you can put on a whole bunch of weight and just do one rep. Okay. And yeah. So yeah. got the idea. Different. <clears throat> yeah. And um, uh, how long um, do you think someone to be? I'm not saying to build up the muscles, hundred hundred pounds muscles, but you know, uh, somebody should be in, uh, involved in a <clears throat> in a CrossFit gym. How long they should be part of a gym to to get to reap the good benefits of a good healthy lifestyle? I know it's a very broad question. It depends on people. I'm only five three, five four. You're six feet probably, and it's different for every weight and so on. Yeah, I'm five nine. By the way, <laughs> I would say three months would give you an appropriate exposure to enough things to know if you like it or what you like and what you don't like, and what and for you to experience the initial soreness. Yeah, that then goes away, and you get to feel. Like you're getting fitter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You can't judge it on like even the first month is tough because it's so variable. Right. You're doing so many new things that you're sore a lot. And so <laughs> that that first month is really challenging because you're constantly sore somewhere. Yeah. And so you're saying, Wow, am I do I really want to do this? Am I really good at this? But then during month two, you're like, hey, I I did that exercise a month ago and I was sore for three days. This time I'm not hardly sore at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like okay. some, something's happening here. Okay. Right. Got it. Yeah. Um, I actually, um, I don't know if, did you know Peter Atia? Peter Atia. Yeah. Right. So I was yeah. listening to one of his, uh, latest podcasts, uh, uh, again with Tim Ferriss. I loved his concept of, uh, you know, doing everything at the age of 90, what I'm doing right now. Okay, yeah. so there was, a, I think, the last two episodes, one of those two. Um, beautiful episode. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but the idea was that he he said that I want to be able to do what I'm doing right now, like, at the age of 90. I, it's yeah. easy for me to do what I do now because I'm younger. I, but his idea was if I can do lift up two bags of grocery climb two flights of stairs or holding a baby, you know, uh, uh, and obviously if I would be a grandfather, grandmother, whatever <laughs> at that stage, hopefully, uh, uh, then I should be making sure that I don't, I, I take care of the kid who's in my arm at that age 90. So, and I should be able to do what I'm doing right now to, how can I reverse engineer that amount of work at that stage of, at the age of 90, what I'm doing now and how should I prepare myself at today? So I think that's a good way to look at life. I think that's a really good way to approach what are you doing with yourself right now? And Mm. if, if your goal is to be able to be the, the fittest or yeah, fittest 90 year old you can be, right. Then you're going to do things different today than you would if your goal was to be the fittest 50-year-old. Sure. Right. You got to do more right now because you want to... Yeah, it would. It's, 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 uh, it's fitness. It's nutrition. It's, it's doing fitness in a way that is not destructive. Exactly. It's, yeah. And, and that, so there is a fine line there where 
you can certainly get into the extreme side of it sure. and really start to push. And like if I wanted to try to set a record for weight lifted by a 45 year old next year, yeah. then I'm, I'm more likely to injure myself than uh -huh. I am to actually do that. Right, right, and right, so right, right. I'm actually not going to be helping myself later in life. Yes, but certainly. We, yeah, that, but that's a, it's such a fascinating thing that gets back to critical thinking too. It's yeah. called, um, it's called, I'm going to throw out a, a fun term for you. Sure. It's called uh, hyperbolic reasoning. Hyper Did Peter okay. Adia use that word? Okay, okay. No, not that day. Not Good. that day. I got him. I got him. <laughs> so hyperbolic reasoning, it's our inability to, um, to see the long-term consequences of our actions. Right now. Basically. Okay. 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 So, yeah, it's why people. It's why smokers don't quit smoking. It's why why people that are obese uh, don't necessarily stop eating. It's why right. people don't get fit. It's because we cannot understand and appreciate the thirty year consequences of our actions, and so we rationalize to well, what do I want to do right now? And right. So yeah, it's a fascinating world of of how we think and why we think. And, uh, yeah, anyway, yeah. topic, but no, 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 kind of re related. It is. It is related. It is related. Now uh, we all love good food, right? But uh, there's some food which is not good, right? Everybody knows that, but we still do it. How do we change that habit? Number one, number two, uh, what is your eating habit like? Number three, uh, are, what, what are your recommendations to, you know, uh, to change your habit? How can we get into, a good eating habits and what number one was uh good food versus bad food yes was that right yes good food versus bad food number two uh my eating your eating habits obviously number three uh how to change and how to change good versus bad it depends okay now you can almost start to say universally that ultra processed food is not good for anybody all right. Ultra processed is a little bit of a finicky term. It would kind of be that middle. Uh, um, I think Michael Pollan calls it the the middle aisles in the grocery store. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. all the stuff that's in boxes and packages, right, are typically the ultra processed foods, and so those are, for the most part, not good for you. Okay. And so then the stuff that is good for you is going to be your outside aisles and all the fruits and veggies. Perimeter, right. Okay. Yes, yeah. So with that said, there is so much variation. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think we're going to see some really cool things in the next 10 years with more specific genetic typing for how we respond to food. And mm -hmm. I, I'm really fascinated to see where it goes sure. because I think that from, from the cravings we have to the foods and how we respond to them, why, why can two people eat similar things and one person gets high cholesterol and one person doesn't? Why right. you know that that kind of stuff? Sure, that sure. We don't necessarily know yet. We have some theories or hypotheses, but we don't. We're not sure. So it'll be really fascinating to see where that goes, so that we can start to dial that in more and say, 
okay, after you take this genetic test, we know that you sh- are going to put yourself at high risk for yeah. problems if you eat these things. Right, right, right. And so you should try and avoid those if you want to live the healthiest possible life. So with that said, uh, I'm going to segue this into what I eat because right now I eat pretty much whatever I want. Okay. It's just that most of what I want is fairly good food. So I, I cook for myself. I eat veggies every day. I, you know, it's, I don't go and have McDonald's three times a day. Fair enough. So it's, that's why it's, I have to put like an asterisk there when I say I eat whatever I want. Right, right, right. Because you eat good anyways, right. What I want is, is mostly good. But I also have, like I have a, a thing of a little piece of chocolate almost every day, dark chocolate. Yeah. Almost every day. Sure. So there's sugar there, but excuse me, there's also the dark chocolate be- yeah. health benefits, right? Right, right, right. Um, I, I probably drink too much alcohol on weekends. We got to um, come back to it. I have very qu- yeah. good questions about couple, that. <laughs> good. A couple times a month. And so that is not good for yeah. long term, yeah. but I do it. So all that within the framework of knowing that I have, I have my blood work tested regularly. I have a, I go see a physician. I know where my cholesterol is, my blood sugar, my all these different things, and they're all within a range that is you may not consider optimal, right? But it's considered healthy. Got it. So if I just want to be healthy, I'm good. Now that gets into a, a tangent, which is what if we want to optimize? Right. And this is a world that is really challenging because that's what is promoted and all the stuff that I see in my news feed. Sure. It's a whole lot of like how to be optimal and how to use this supplement to for that and this food is a superfood for this and these different things and most of that is bullshit. I agree. So uh, that that becomes real challenging and the only thing we like you could do like um um hormone replacement therapy so that has gotten big for men and women both especially as we age and right. trying to make, keep that at a certain level and there may be some real benefits to that for some people there's just keeping good foods keep well-rounded variety give examples to, give um, examples of the good yeah food. so um you know, one thing that happens with people that get into fitness is they end up being on a, they get a rotation of food that is always the same. Okay. Rice and chicken and broccoli. Right, 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 right. Sounds fairly healthy, but if you're having rice and chicken and broccoli every single day, you're actually missing out on quite a bit of potential uh, nutrients Fair from enough. orange bell peppers and carrots and tomatoes and eggplant and just variety. Okay. So I try because I, I do have my fallbacks as well. Like yeah. I, I have a salad, like a spinach salad that has bell peppers and tomatoes and some chicken and some um, crushed nuts and a little bit of olive oil and vinegar. Like that, that is a pretty standard salad that yeah. I have to force myself to mix it up sometimes and throw some cauliflower on there oh. or throw, uh, yeah, just mix it up for variety's sake and that just keeps because we that's where we get all these micronutrients um 
if you've listened to Peter Addy, you've probably listened to Rhonda Patrick. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. she has an old podcast where she talks about the triage hypothesis for nutrients okay. and disease. And this goes back to the guy that she trained with, uh, Bruce Ames. And he has this triage theory that we can go a really long time being deficient in nutrients because our body will will um, triage what we need and shuttle things to different places and sacrifice certain things. Right, 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 right. At, at some point, we will then get a disease because of that sacrifice. Exactly. So – so it's a really fascinating theory that I think has some plausibility to it. And I, I, I would love to see them do more there and they haven't in quite a while. But anyway, so now if you want to change. Hmm. What if somebody uh, eats eggs only but no meat? Or a vegetarian kind of kind of thing? Yeah, yeah that would be tough. Yeah, so that that is tougher and it, it's certainly not my expertise. Okay, Um so, so somebody like uh, Matt Standridge, do you know him? He's on Keto Dentist. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. The Keto Dentist. Yeah, exactly. He would be a really good person to talk to and yeah. get into really. De- he's got a couple different certifications of different nutrition camps. Okay, and he would be a great person to talk to about some variation there. Mm. Uh, the only thing I could say would be uh, nuts and chickpeas. Right. Yep. I do that. So okay. uh, nice. All right, so yeah, you were saying how to change uh, the last yeah. topic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So number 1 would be to figure out what you want to change and why. So it gets back to core values why? and vision. Yeah. And so what what is your purpose for doing this and take this goes back to that book identity that I mentioned earlier as well. Sure. So take <clears throat> take your yourself out of it if you can mm. and break it down into a project. Okay. So what is the bigger goal? If it's, let's say you want to lose 20 pounds. Right. And so the goal is ultimately, let's say it's a year. You want to lose 20 pounds in a year. Mm. Now we're going to break that down into micro goals. Right. right so, right. That's less than two pounds a month. Mm-hmm. That's uh, less than a half a pound. A w- it's like a quarter of a pound a week. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, no, that would be half a pound. No, a week. half a pound a week. So, if we need to lose half a pound a week, that is like a um, hundred calories less per day. Cool. I like so, that. Mm-hmm. if we can do that, then um, we just need to cut out one tablespoon of dressing. Wow. Yeah. Like, you know, so so it's just little stuff like that. And so you can do that on a daily basis. And as long as you are tying that micro goal to the bigger goal and also saying, okay, what if you fail? A a failure does not mean that you're a failure. Right, 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 right. It means that you just didn't hit the goal that week. Okay. You have time. If you get to the end, the other thing I think it's really important to explore what happens if you succeed? What happens if you don't succeed? So let's say you get to the end of the year and you've lost 15 pounds, not 20. Okay. Okay. Are, are you happy? 
Are you sad? Are you pissed at yourself? Are you hating yourself? Mm-hmm. Or are you saying, wow, I just lost, I just 15. lost 15 pounds in a year. Which and I wouldn't have lost that, anyways. Otherwise. Yeah, that, that means that I'm five pounds closer to my ultimate goal. Okay. And I also did this over the course of a year. So it's not like I binged. It's not like I, I just did a starvation diet for a month mm-hmm. and lost 10 pounds and said, yay me, and then coasted <laughs> and started to gain it back. It's, it's I, that, that to me tells me that it's a part of a lifestyle change. And that's ultimately what you have to do is because as you, as you lose weight, you have a new set point. Yeah. So if 3,000 calories has gotten you to where you're at now and you've been steady for a while and you drop down to 2,900 calories, at some point, 2,900 calories is going to put you here, not here. Right. You're going to have to then go to 2,800 calories. Yeah. And then once you get to here, body adapts. you're going to have to – exactly. And so I think it's called allostasis actually. And that's another fascinating term that has a world <laughs> of uh, possibility to explore for different things. But okay. that's a whole other conversation. So that to me would be the way to approach that mm. and – Look at it over the long term, sure. not the short term. Got it. Thank you. That helps a lot. That uh, I think uh, this is on a similar similar uh, way Tim Ferriss says, and he says, uh, you know, keep your goal achievable. Start with the yeah. smallest achievable goal, you know, uh, and also on the same term, on the bonus structure, if we don't want to give our staff $75,000 of collection, when we barely do 55 right now, it's not going to jump yeah. to 75. They're, just, they're not going to work on it. They're not going to work yeah. on it. You tell them 58 or 60, yeah, you know, they might yeah. work on it. Yeah. Uh, great. Um, um, now, uh, just, well, um, I was actually very interested to talk about your whiskey, uh, Highland, <laughs> Highland Signature, Signature Vintage Whiskey. Yeah, okay. This one's more embarrassing to talk about, but uh, yeah, I do like to drink. Yeah, uh, I I prefer my liquor on ice or neat, so I do appreciate a good vodka, uh, just straight uh, tequila, whiskey, and um, all of those have their their benefits in yeah. life. <laughs> uh, I also appreciate a really good beer. Okay, and have spent a lot of time tasting beer of different types and love to my wife and I like love to go to when we travel and we like to visit breweries and hang out in the little local microbreweries and see what they're like and what they're doing. And that's always a, a highlight of some of our trips. The, but the whiskey to go back to that. So my affinity for whiskey started because of Dentaltown and Howard Goldstein who yeah. hosts a little whiskey tasting in Chicago every February Okay. And so going to that many years ago, 10 years ago probably is the first time I went okay. and they they set it up and they describe the whiskey in detail and give you a crash course on the distiller and what to taste for and all kinds of things about it. It was just fascinating to learn about that the details. Yeah. And that makes it it makes it so much better. <laughs> now, uh, who who are they here? Is it Howard Goldstein himself? Uh, like um, who's talking about the whiskey? Nope. It's, um, it's Brett, Brett. I don't know his last name. He's okay. the whiskey buyer okay. for Benny's. 
Okay. Benny's is like a huge uh, liquor store chain. Uh, I think they're based in Chicago. Yeah, and he's their whiskey buyer. So we go to one of their shops in Chicago, and he does the talk. And yeah. And how is uh, Dr. Goldstein involved in this then? He's just been buying from Brett at okay. Benny's for like 20 years. Okay. And so after a couple of years of of buying from him, he said, hey, can we just do a tasting? And so I can see what you have available. And then, and Howard would buy like bottles and bottles back oh, yeah? during that trip. And okay. so it was worthwhile. So then Howard started inviting other people and we've had as many as like 12 people there. Cool. And we all end up buying something like sure. I would only buy one bottle, maybe, maybe two on a really like I'm lo- really splurging. But <laughs> there were a couple of guys that would buy like 10 to 12 bottles Wow! and and then ship it home or bring it home. And yeah, just crazy what they get after there. But we, we taste some amazing stuff. <laughs> so, Interesting. Fun. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. I mean, I have tons of tons of questions which I can go on, but. I think just for the um, uh, for the time, you know, I'll I'll go go on to you know final stages of questions, uh, which are Tim Ferriss inspired questions. Now, this is the lightning okay. round. It is uh, kind of yes, you could say that. <laughs> the first is morning ritual. Any specific morning ritual that you may have uh, that makes you Jason Luckfield? Uh, no, it, <laughs> it's it's nothing special. Uh, my alarm goes off. I go have a poop. <laughs> I, I get most mornings. Then I then, uh, get dressed for the gym. Yeah. I go to the gym, have my workout. I come home, have my shake, walk my dogs, have some coffee, go to work. Got it. Got it. Um, any meditation or anything on those lines? No, I don't. I do advocate it, but I don't do it. Anything specific with the shakes uh, when you have a shake in the morning? Is it anything special? Uh, workout, after workout, whatever? Yeah, so it's it's almost always after the workout. And so it is kind of a protein-centered shake. I have played around with it in trying to do more of Rhonda Patrick's like super nutrient shake with like spinach and yeah. kale and all kinds of things in it. And it was just, it was too much, like yeah. too gritty and uh, it was too big. Like it ended up being like, 60 ounces or something and i'd just be like bloated afterwards and it was too much so i just have my own little shake it's um frozen fruit either blueberries or cherries and uh milk whole milk or if i'm really feeling like frisky chocolate milk okay and then uh protein powder and um a mix of flax and chia some creatine and if I have not put in chocolate milk, I will throw in some cocoa powder. Okay. Okay. And that's it. So cool. mm. interesting. pretty easy. Yeah. It tastes good. It's probably more carbs than I need, but I like it. It did tastes you, good. Did you say a protein powder too in there? Yeah. Oh, what kind? Yeah. Like any specific brand you like the most? Uh, the brand I like right now is called ProMix. I get it off of Amazon. Okay. It's like a five five pound tub yeah. for like 80 bucks it's okay. like the best deal going and it's really i think a good they have uh, i like to try different things so the one i have right now is actually a vegan okay. um protein so it has uh infused with uh, b12 
Okay. And so it's a little bit like you can tell that it's different. Like it doesn't mix quite as well. It's a little okay. bit grainier. Um, Does it taste it's good? Well. Does it taste well? Well, I mean, I'm mixing it with so many other things that yeah, it tastes it tastes fine. Like okay. if you were just to mix only that with milk, yeah, you would notice. You would know that you were just choking something down because you needed to. But to blend it in a shake like that, I don't really notice. Okay, got it. Next, the best purchase that you made between hundred to three hundred dollars that impacted your life in a positive way. Hundred to three hundred. Can I have can I have two answers? Sure. So in my practice, I'm gonna say it's my my BioClear. Oh, I'm, I'm loving the BioClear. <laughs> um, and I guess technically you could say it's in that price range depending on how many you buy. <laughs> so uh, that's for practice. You mean the matrices? The bio- yes, matrices. correct. Okay, matrices. Yeah. yeah. And then for for my home or life. It would be running shoes. I love shoes. So if I find a pair of shoes that I like, um, I, I'll almost sleep in them. <laughs> it's so good. So now, uh, now, what are those play shoes you're talking about? P-L-A-E. Yeah. While yeah, you're talking so, about shoes. Yeah, Play is just a brand that I kind of just stumbled upon and fell in love with their what they stand for. Okay. Kind of who they are and what they stand for is is good. They just seem like good people, a good brand. Okay. And so I got a couple pairs of their shoes and so they fit great, they feel great. Mm-hmm. So then I got another pair. And so I have one pair that are for fun. I have one pair at work that I okay. use just at work. Okay. And I have one pair I use for CrossFit. And now I just ordered, I just got a new pair in the other day, actually, for their black, for their Cyber Monday special, little okay. pair of slip-ons. Oh, cool. So those are feeling pretty good right now, wearing around the house, walking yeah. dogs. <laughs> they're comfortable. So yeah. yeah, they're they're fun. Did you order them online? Yeah, so that's dangerous depending on what the return circumstances are. So this company is actually really good. If stuff doesn't fit, you can send it back. Okay. Uh, I had one pair of shoes that they have this weird latch for the shoestring. Okay. And I caught it on my laundry basket and it ripped off. And so I sent them a question and they said, send us some pictures. I sent them pictures. They sent me a, repl- a new pair of shoes. Oh, wow. That's like, cool. They, like they sent, I didn't have to pay even shipping. I was shocked. Wow. So that's just, that's cool. And now what about uh, those Nobles? Uh, yeah. Are they from the same company or something? No. So Noble is a newish company. I think they're less than five years old and they're just in the CrossFit world. And so they have CrossFit shoes of different types and clothing and bags and all kinds of stuff. And okay. so as I've gotten into CrossFit more, they're, whenever you're doing olympic lifting so mm-hmm. like squats and um, power cleans and these different lifts uh having a specific kind of shoe okay. is of benefit mm-hmm. and so that's that pair of shoes that i posted on instagram you're right is a pair of lifters they're called and there that, that was a like splurge that was yeah. a <laughs> like i don't really need this but they i can they afford look fancy. one <laughs> it make, yeah exactly yeah. and it makes me feel you know, you just 
feel stronger when you put those on. So <laughs> I'm sure it's it's been a profound impact on my lifting. Any uh, specific book that you like the most or you've gifted the most or read the most number of times? Yeah, this this is so hard. I, I've always envied people that could say, this is my book. Like I yeah. give to everybody, recommend to everybody. And for me, it's been so circumstantial. It used to be a book called The Highest Goal by okay. Michael Ray. He was a Stanford business instructor. And The Highest Goal was a book I read like 10 or 15 years ago that kind of was also integral in that journey of like self-exploration and stuff. Yeah. And at the time I read it, it was so impactful that I, I just loved it. I came back to it a year ago and thought, I want to reread this. It's been a long time. I went through it. I hated it. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Like, this this is not, I, how did I like this before? I can't believe I, I like this this much. And I, I don't know, I, that really shocked me. And so now it depends on who I'm talking to. So, if it's a runner, there's an awesome book called Once a Runner, and it's a it's fictional, but it's an awesome book if you are a runner. Okay. And if you are into um, more self exploration and stuff like that, then and you want to be challenged, this new book I just read called Identity was really good. Okay. Um, Don Don G K from uh, the stress stressful. Yeah, uh, yeah, what's yeah. her the, the peaceful practice? She yeah. has a new podcast now with Alan on uh, like stress and meditation and stuff. Uh, she sent me a book called Destressifying that was really good and mm -hmm. just talks about things you can do to reduce your stress and that was really impactful. So now it's contingent upon right who I'm talking to and what they're looking for or uh -huh. what our conversation in, involves to what I would recommend. Got it. I think you've uh, mentioned a couple of books on the way. So uh, I'm sure somebody will find interesting. Yeah. There's know. a few back here. Oh, yeah. I saw. You could pick out. And <laughs> so don't, anyway. don't you, uh, did you like, uh, like hand a paperback or something like that? Or do you like audible? Yeah. Audible? No, I love, I love holding a book in my hands. I and I like to smell it. I like to feel <laughs> it. I like to draw in it and circle things and write notes. And yeah, I, I had that conversation with uh, Toussaint Crawford. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right. He's on fa Facebook groups that I'm you, – you've probably seen his name. Um, okay. Similar okay. circles. But he talked about how he listened to like – gosh, it was, I don't know, 70 or 80 or 90 books in 2019. Wow. But he listens to all the books on like one and a half to 2x okay. and listens yeah. to them like all the time. And it was like, I can't – I couldn't yeah. do that. No, no, neither can I. Well, so I, I get through maybe 10 books a year. Yeah. And that's because I'm constantly underlining and taking notes. I might go look something up or it sends me on a rabbit trail. And so I <laughs> no, I want the book. Yeah. Got it. My wife hates it. I have so many books everywhere. She's like, you got to quit. You have to stop buying books. <laughs> like, I can't. I it's can't. Addiction. Yeah, I think uh, Sad Godin said it's like for 20 bucks, you get a brain, somebody's brain right in front of you. I think it's worth it. Any book, if yeah. it's 20 bucks and you, even Ramit Sethi, I don't know if you know him, but Ramit Sethi said something similar. If you have only one, if you, if you get only one nugget from that one book, it's worth it. It's 20 bucks, yeah. you know, yeah. or cheaper, whatever, yeah. you know. I agree. Um, 
Anyways, when you think of a person being successful, who is the second person that comes to mind? Yeah, so I would say my uh, the first I thought of was my dad, and the second was my wife. Hmm. Okay. Any particular reason? Yeah. yeah so my my dad, uh, because he he was like a just a hard worker. I mean, he he worked hard, lived his life, uh, was happy with it, and set a good example uh, for just kind of like even keeled, neutral, roll with things, go with the flow. Yeah. Um, so good in that regard. And then my wife, because she she knew early, she's taught me a lot too, really, about like um, understanding how you want your life to be and just living it. And she's done that since like she talks about when she was like 13 and she decided that she wanted to do this or that. And so she would do it. And like without even having to go through the whole self exploration, who I, who do I want to be? What do I want to do? She just is that way. She she doesn't even have to think about it. And Mm so, so she is successful at being her. She is herself. And there is no um, pretense. There is no acting. There is no putting on a show for other people. Right. She is just, what you see is what you get. And to me, that is successful. Wow. Got it. What advice do, what advice do you give to younger self? Don't get married so soon. <laughs> um, and understand, understand more about business before getting into it. Hmm. So that to me is, is, for example, in dentistry, I opened a practice understanding nothing about the business side of dentistry. Right. Just winged it because they, everyone said, well, den- dentistry succeeds. Like yeah. It's not like a restaurant. So just go open your door and you're going to be successful. And right, right, right. Like I stumbled along for so long with no real understanding of why things are a certain way or how to run things or how to be a boss and a leader and all that. So having a little bit of understanding about those different areas before going in head first, I think would have made a significant impact on my um, dollars and cents as well as my stress levels at times. Sure, sure. Thank you. Thank you for opening that. Could you name one of each, if possible, one thing that you're excited about right now? It could be anything in dentistry, life, your business, in Sparrow. Uh, one thing that you're excited about, one thing that you've changed your mind for, and one thing that you do that is absurd or funny. Okay. Uh, right now, I'm excited about what we are doing with Inspiro, uh, the group of people we have, and the the information that we're sharing with people, I think, has the op- ability, opportunity to help dentists and other professionals hmm. um, reach a level of fulfillment and satisfaction with their lives that is really needed. So I'm, I'm really excited about being involved in that, having just one piece of involvement in that process. And even though it's impacting a very small number of people at a time, 
it is exciting to me and okay. it's uh it's something I love doing. So sure. I'm I'm really excited about that and where that fits in the world right now. Um change my mind would be I'm going to come back. I've, I think I've brought it up like 3 times now. This book Identity. So <laughs> I've been on for quite a while I've been looking into well a year ago I read a book called The Brave Athlete Calm okay. the Fuck Down okay. by Simon Marshall. Okay. And it was really good. And it's about behavioral economics for triathletes, basically. Okay. But you can apply it to anybody. Mm-hmm. And so there's a whole chapter on how we perceive ourselves in the roles that we play. So mm-hmm. how do you perceive yourself as a dentist, as a father, as a husband, as a grandfather, as an uncle, as a, a athlete, um, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So all your different roles. Mm. And do you perceive yourself as good or bad in those or whatnot? Next is self-esteem and what that looks like for yourself. And then the deepest level is self-worth. Are you worthy of feeling good or whatnot? And that's, so he has different ways of coping with those things. Okay. Some of which are easy little tips and tools. Some of which are, you need to go see a therapist and talk it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I've been on. I've been in ex- because of that. I was exploring this this uh, self awareness because of the emotional intelligence, and then self esteem because of his book and how important those things are. It seemed, and then I read this book called Identity that completely challenges all of that and says hmm. your self esteem doesn't matter. Quit quit focusing on what you think of yourself. And just go do something. Okay. Just just get shit done. That's uh-huh. what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And guess what? As you start doing stuff, the side effect, you're actually going to start feeling better about yourself. Uh-huh. But don't think that you need to have some grand self-esteem in order to be successful. Mm-hmm. Just go do something. So uh-huh. that was my take-home from the book. It's There's a lot more to it than that, but... That was a take home that it really challenged me and made me take a step back and say, what's, what is important here? What do I want to share with people? How is this different for me now? Because again, this is more than you need to know, but like I get nervous standing up in front of people and don't know that I have anything to share that is that much better than what anybody in the audience would have to share. Yet I'm going down this path of, of potentially lecturing and teaching at workshops and all this stuff mm-hmm. and so a bit of that imposter syndrome kind of thing right right right, and right. so that this book actually helped me to say you know what fuck that just yeah. go do it at least you're and doing it at least you're yeah at least do you're it. doing it because if somebody who probably has more knowledge and then you know like yeah uh, i know more than what he said yeah but he's got the balls to do it you know he's got the right. balls to yeah. bring you here and be exposed and be vulnerable to 10 20 30 dentists in the room right. you know that's that's exactly. huge that's huge yeah so and that's how you grow is you you have to go and um so i after i read the brave athlete yeah book, yeah i contacted the author okay and he, he he you can actually do like sessions with him so i did an hour session with him oh. talking through some of this stuff yeah. And was like and talked about self-esteem and talked about this imposter. He was like, look, nothing I can say is going to change that. There is no thing you can go read. There is no magic wand. He's like, you need to go out there and 
do something and have a failure and rebound from it. You need to go and have a success and realize that it was the work you put in that helped to lead to that success. And as you do that, mm. the imposter syndrome will go away and you're going to feel better and better about it. But that's there is no magic formula. It's wow. it's experience. Wow. So go get experience. Great. So, no, that's that's really great. I think that's deep. Too. That's deep. Yep. Um okay, absurd or funny? So this goes back to um Whenever I was doing a lot of triathlons, my wife and I, we had a van yeah. that we bought and we used for a while to drive around the triathlons or whenever we would go, we we'd sign up for like a trail run. For example, we're doing one in Costa Rica in February. Okay. It's a six, six day adventure trail run mm -hmm. thing. So when we do these, I always initially like look at it and like, oh, that looks really fun. But then the first thing I think every time is... Where am I going to have my morning poop? Because, because if that doesn't happen, my day's ruined. Yeah. So, so I have to, I scope that out. I'll, I, I literally research where we're going to be to make sure that that morning poop can happen because that is what the world revolves around right oh, there. Yes. So there you go. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all that funny stuff. Uh, it was, it was really good. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. That's great. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, thanks for the invite and uh, the good conversation. Would you like to get a really small email a couple times a month to see what hashtag POD is up to? What are we reading? What are we listening to? What are we doing? What's stupid, funny, entertaining, and weird stuff that we talk ourselves into? Then go to podcastsofdentistry.com slash extra. E X. T-R-A. That's right. Podcastsofdentistry.com slash extra. And you will get a really small email from us to give you that little extra kick and keep you busy exploring the world we travel. You can also find us on Facebook at podcastsofdentistry.com slash Facebook. Thank you for listening. Hashtag POD. And I'll see you inside.